This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my company, Hornswording. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've made some exciting new changes to our mead range, and in particular, our Yorkshire mead. So what we've done is we've completely rebranded, relabeled, and we've also added a couple of new flavours. Now, before I tell you about the new flavours, I want to tell you a little bit about the mead production, because this stuff is really something special. It's made at a micro meadery just on the outskirts of York, and it's run by a fellow called Pete Allenson, and this guy does everything himself. He keeps the bees, he sustainably harvests the honey from his own bees, he then ferments the honey to make the mead, he bottles the mead, he labels the mead, he sends it out to us, I mean this guy does everything and, and mead is what he does and that's part of why I think this stuff is so amazing because it has such a short journey from production to bottling to end user um, and I think it really is a special product. So we have our three traditional ones that you might have seen on the website before which are mead of Serenos, our mead of Brigid and our mead of Morrigan. The Morrigan is an elderberry, the Serenos is a heather honey and the mead of Brigid is a traditional. Now on top of that, what we've done is we've added a spice mead, which is Surtur's mead. We have Loki's Curse, which is a pineapple and coconut mead. And then we also have Tia's Sacrifice, which is a whiskey and cherry mead. And I mean, that stuff is absolutely beautiful. All these meads are available in 75 cl bottles and a 25 cl bottle, so you can sort of pick your size. On the website, we also pair it in a gift set where you get a 25 cl bottle and a small drinking horn. Perfect for gifting or a little treat for yourself even. Even if you don't like mead, just it's worth going and looking at this stuff just for the artwork and for the bottles. Saxon Storyteller has done the artwork and I mean, he's absolutely nailed it with these. The, the labels look beautiful and I'm really proud of it. I'm sure you can tell. So just pop over to the website, hornsofodin.com. You get 10% off for listening to the show with the discount code HORNS10. So you should pop that in at checkout so you're going to get 10% off your order, Horns 10, and honestly, just try this stuff out. It really is, I think, the best mead available. Right, let's jump into the show. Welcome to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farron, co-owner of Company Horns Bowden, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvik. Hello, everyone. This week, I am uh, I have the, the, the solemn pleasure of introducing two very special guests, <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I wondered what you were going to do. We didn't practice this. Um, yeah, you don't have a, a guest to introduce. No, it is just us going old school with our... You know, the, the way that we used to do it before we started inviting a bunch of guests on. Um, and uh, Daniel, let's tell the, the listeners and viewers, of course, also, uh, why did we sort of like want to go back to the roots with all of this? Oh, you put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think a few people have commented that they liked the old episodes of just me and you sitting down talking. Um, we, you know, I think we we get on quite well. We have good flow and good banter, as as us Brits would say. I don't know if American people use that. Yeah, so we, you know, we we get on quite well. I think people enjoyed that, and then naturally the show took a progression into having guests on every week. But we wanted to pull it back and introduce once once a month, where we just get to sit down, me and you, and just like the old days, we'll pick a topic. Or what we're going to try and do is a, a show and tell style. So I'm going to pick a topic. You're going to pick a topic and in each episode, we're going to discuss it and kind of delve into it and see, see what we think. And I think it'll be fun if we pick 
topics that we want to rant about or at least can either disagree with or people have a misconception of and we can use these episodes for that that kind of thing i think there'll be a lot of fun yeah me too all right so so what do you want to talk about (laughs) (laughs) no i think i think also in these episodes we we can speak a little bit more about our our personal lives not not too much but you know we can i think when we have guests on we we rush into the topics very quickly rather than having a little bit of chat and and a lot of people do enjoy us just having a little conversation about what we've done in the week um Mm -hmm. and yeah maybe not for 20 minutes but we can have a little a little chat and uh see what we've been up to i mean because we have some i think we both have quite exciting lives to some degree like parts <laughs> of our lives are perhaps more exciting than others <laughs> but yeah. yeah well so what what have you been up to oh i have a new little puppy so anybody who follows me daniel underscore farron one on instagram will have seen my new little bundle of joy his, his name is flint and he is seven weeks and six days old so he's a he's a baby baby the very tiny puppy Oh, he is. He's uh, he's a little working cock spaniel. He's he's black and tan, and he oh, he's just he's adorable. Like I cannot smile when I'm just when I speak about him. He's he's just a very intelligent little boy. He's um, I picked up. He's picked up how to sit already. For, sit for sit for his food. Sit for treats. He's figured the stairs out, which is terrifying. Um, he's gonna be a handful. He's gonna outsmart me soon. <laughs> it's scary i'm like you're too smart let's see what's coming no, look I, i've seen those pictures and i was like immediately turned to my wife and i'm like we need a new puppy <laughs> yeah or but i forgot how much hard work they were yeah because we had for, for some people will know who kind of are in the discord or maybe follow me on instagram so we we had used to have two dogs we lost harrison our cock spaniel three four weeks ago and there's been like a, a huge hole in my life since since he passed i think we can i can just about talk about him without getting upset now but for, for like the first two weeks it was i mean i i'll happily say that i've never felt any sort of pain like as, as when we lost him and it was it was heartbreaking and we you know we'd had him for 10 years he'd been with oakley our other spring spaniel for for 10 so we'd had him in 10 years but he was 12 so they've been together 10 years and there was just this huge hole missing. He was a massive character. So for the last four weeks, it's just felt a little bit, a little bit odd and a little bit quiet around, around the place. So Flint's coming now and definitely made it not as quiet. <laughs> like I said, I forgot how it was 12 years ago when we had Oakley as a puppy and you forget, you forget how the little shits that they are. <laughs> That's how this, all this stuff works. It's just like child rearing, right? You go through all of the bullshit of having a kid around and and then somehow you magically forget and then you're like, you're like I should get another one. And, and there you are. <laughs> That's my situation now. So, and, Well, you got it to come. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I mean, puppies are the same in that way, right? They, 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 they have very similar requirements, you know, in many ways, of course, they're a little lower maintenance because they're dogs, but, but they keep you up at night. Oh yeah. That's the other everywhere. thing. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. That's the other surprising thing with him. He hasn't, he didn't cry when we got him and he's, he slept through the night every night we've had him from 11 o'clock 
think the earliest he woke us up was four. So he slept to 11 till four. And that was only because there was a fox outside crying. So that woke him up. But other than that, he's he's been a really, really good dog other than the, the biting. That's, um, yeah, you're probably going to lose a couple of shoes to that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> shoes, socks, everything else. And other than that, we've just been ridiculously busy. We just released the athletic range for, for Horns of Odin, which was really good. It seems to be received well. We've been working on that for about 10 months. I'm tired. I'm sleepy. Spent all my money on on getting the clothes ready. So it seems to be going well. People people are enjoying it. I'm, I'm really proud of the range. You know, we've got bits of everything in there. We've got T-shirts, sleeveless, jo- uh, jogging pants, so compression pants, sports bras. So it's a really big so that that was fun to do and then trying to finish the unit off that we've moved into so i'm trying to spin so many plates <laughs> that sounds very busy <laughs> and expensive we had um a an extraction unit fitted which i was really excited for and then when i i mean it works perfectly i just it takes all the dust away but it's loud mm. it's mm-hmm. it's louder than i expected it to be so now i have to build a room for the extraction unit to try and quieten it down. It's like just another big chunk of change. It's like, yeah, I have some more money for this room, room to house my extraction unit. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm tired. So uh, you, you've got some news. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so I got approved for green card. Um, and surprisingly, it's like forever. It, that has taken about a year. Yes. Like applied, um, just before October 2nd or 1st last year. Then it was just like a lot of waiting. You just mm-hmm. sit around and wait. Uh, hope the country doesn't fall apart in the meantime. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we did have the, that very messy uh, presidential election and all that stuff. And and then, and then you get to a point where they, all of a sudden they send you a letter telling you, you have to show up at this particular office on the like other side of town um, at uh, at this particular time. Otherwise, we're going to toss your <laughs> application. And I did that. Um, and that's why we that's why we couldn't record. Well, so yeah, this has interfered with our recording several times because for some reason they picked Tuesdays for that stuff. And then, then I had a medical exam as well. They have to check whether or not you have like an extra arm or you know, something other weird going on. <laughs> and so I had to do that. And then <laughs> that was like me driving back and forth. Like it takes about an hour to an hour and a half in good traffic to get to those destinations mm-hmm. yeah. uh, from, from where I am. Um, so, so that's been a lot of driving um, and a lot of just like going to offices and, and getting poked and prodded and, and, and all that stuff. And then finally, they're like, okay, here's your interview date. You have to bring all these things, like a huge stack of papers and, and all that stuff. And then you go in and um, they, you know, your lawyer will prepare you for the worst, right? And and that is what the worst is in those interview situations. It does not sound fun at all. <laughs> um, but I can happily say Does it that- involve rubber gloves? <laughs> no, it, it doesn't but it but it can get invasive in other ways you know okay. they, they they can be you know 
it i i i think that most of them uh, are very professional people um that's my that's sort of what i uh, i feel that i've seen so that was like they asked some basic questions you know confirm some information and there you go uh boom um out of the door again you know 30 40 minutes after um so so that was that was my experience it was it was you know very uh stressful in so many ways not so much because of the actual interactions with with you know government officials or anything like that but more just like all the pressure because it feels like your entire life is on trial in some weird way or other like the, mm -hmm. the, you know the details of your life you know, like we're going to poke through that and then we're going to see what comes out the other end right and yeah so so that's quite a relief when uh we then got the message um what was that the day before yesterday you seem to get it quick to say how long the process took a year for you to get your interview it, it felt as if you you had your interview and then within two days they were like yeah you're cool yeah pretty much that was exactly what happened <laughs> i got like i went to the interview um and then uh two days after got an email saying yep you're all right <laughs> oh that must have been a nice email to get though that was a great email to get my friend <laughs> yeah i bet i know i know you've been you've been worrying about it so it's a it, congratulations on on getting that sword and also for in re relation to the podcast it opens up so many new doors for us because mm -hmm. obviously you had restrictions on what you could and couldn't do if, until you you kind of got is it is it class of citizenship no so this isn't citizenship this is permanent residency okay um citizenship can come later i can apply for that later on um but yeah no the, the the types of visas that i've been on because you know i i've been on a specialist worker working for the university and that kind of stuff they are very restrictive in terms of what you can and cannot do in terms of making money um like for instance you know such things as monetizing what is essentially considered a hobby or something like that like like this podcast that's of course something that we haven't been doing because i um and i mean i haven't been part of all of that whole part of it um because that's that's just like a, a gray area that that you don't want to get into because it's just not a good idea you know no no like i said so it it should hopefully open up some doors for us. We can try and try and build this even more now that you're free of those chains. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's let's get into our our topics because, I mean, I say that this is a show and tell episode, but really it's more me bringing a topic that I want you to rant about or tell me about. <laughs> so I want to go first because I know yours is a rant about the Viking Age as a whole which I feel is going to be lengthy in detail and, and should be left to, to the end. Yes. <laughs> so I right, so mine, agree with that. <laughs> mine might sound like an odd one, but I will, will attempt to explain it. And it is beards. So mine is, is not just, just beards, I guess, but first of all, how do we know how common or how much importance was placed on a beard? During the Viking Age. And, and the reason for that is because you get these people in 2021 that work a job and they, they get a supervisor that comes up to them and says, Do you mind shaving your beard because the face mask won't fit for, for whatever, you know, the face mask won't fit, it doesn't work properly. 
you're going to have to shave your beard. And then you get some smart ass that turns around and says, oh, but I'm a heathen and it's my religion that I don't have to shave my beard. And I see this coming up time and time again in, uh, in these Facebook groups that I like to haunt. So I wanted to know whether there was any, any sort of evidence or anything in like the mythology or literature to support this idea of a religion, like a religious reason to keep a beard. Okay, yeah. So that's an incredibly good question. Um, let's start with, with the assumption of, of some kind of religious mandate here, right? So where do we know this concept from otherwise? Well, we know it from certain religious groups that have texts, right? The Sikhs, right? The, uh, the Muslims, um, they have uh, written texts that tell you that you shouldn't cut your beard or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that's a doctrine or, or dogma. Now, that's not the same in neither in contemporary paganism, what we call neo-paganism, or pre-Christian religion, uh, what we call historical paganism. Like, there was no written book that said, you have to do this, you have to do that, and so on. So that's the first problem that we run into, right? That, that you know, there's what, that, that people essentially have the freedom to come up with whatever they want in terms of their personal practices, right? Now, that makes it complicated um, because most of our modern conceptions of re what religion and religious tradition is um, stem from these dogmatic religions that have a book that stipulates, you know, rules and regulations, right? Yeah. Um, so, so I have on occasion been contacted by military people asking me to uh, write a letter of support uh, for their um, supervisors or, or or whatever. It does uh, seem to be military ones that kind of pop up that I see people will be have joined the army. This is yeah. This is this is what's happening. But I also think you kind of know before you join the army that you've got to shave. I mean, I'm no expert on on military, but I think in I know that in the U.S. and in Canada, it's it's standard that you have to shave. I think the British military, you do until you get to a certain point, and when you get to like a certain point, it's like, well, you can, you're dangerous enough now to do what you want. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think it's something like that when you get to like a, a special ops type of kind mm -hmm. of level. But okay, so let's let's also like circle back to some other aspects of this tradition because it is tradition. There's no particular reason that you have to shave your beard just because you're in the army no i guess that's it's the, i guess that's it's just a discipline culture. yeah yeah and you know when it was invented i think we get to the 1920s and that's when it sort of starts showing up mm. um and i hate to bring it up but like the, the you know the typical way that a fascist looks in in any popular uh culture uh representation like a nazi or something like that that's what everybody looked like back then, because that was the fashion of the time, you know, the shaved sides and, you know, but we only barely have a mustache or something like that. That's that's what everybody looked like in the 1920s and 30s and 40s. 
So that, that sort of became the style. And actually, a lot of that was a rejection of older uh, facial hairstyles in Europe and in European armies as well. Go back to the, um, the 19th century, right? And the standard for somebody in the military was a giant-ass mustache and maybe even a full fa- uh, full beard and, and all of that stuff. Um, I think there's even something to be said for uh, the Nazis in Germany, uh, the way that they shaved and all that stuff and, you know, hit those little ridiculous mustache and all that stuff. That was actually a, a, uh, a countercultural act to signal that you're, you're not uh, hanging out with that old dusty, boring, uh, big bearded uh, bullshit from the, the Imperial days, you know? So that, that's a mustache that's never coming back. And it like, shouldn't. You look like a fucking idiot. Well, you do look like an idiot, but, but it's so interesting that, that this one style of, of mustache. I'm, I'm just glad that it was that, that he fucked up. Yeah, like, that he chose that one and not just a, a, a full beard or like a little curled up one at the side. Yeah, that would have sucked. But like, it, it, it's just so interesting that that's just dead forever. Like you cannot wear, have that mustache ever again. Nobody can. Yeah, no, that's true. But to go back to the military, I imagine the the shaving of the head and the beard is more about demoralizing and stripping away your identity when you go to basic training. Everyone everyone looks the same. You're your brothers in arms, and then you're built back up as this new new soldier. That's that's what I imagine the reason is. There's definitely that aspect to it as well. So what we're basically seeing is that there are like some practical components, there are some cultural components, and then there are also some deep psychological components of why uh, they, they dictate how you should look, right? Mm-hmm. And then we have this modern component of all of that, and that is uh, this, uh, this um, willingness. That's what it really is, like a will- willingness to respect uh, religious traditions, Mm-hmm. In different ways, okay. And then we get to these guys who are then like, okay, I, 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 I want to have a beard because I'm a heathen. Um, and well, the main problem is that there is no long-standing tradition. Like the, at best, we're we're now dealing with third-generation neo-pagans, right? I'm second-generation myself. Um, I know, I know some who are third-generation. And and you you have to ask yourself what is tradition in that regard? Like, what what tradition has been cultivated? Um, can we say that there is consistency? Can we can we actually can we even identify consistency? Most people are first generation, right? That's that's people who have at some point said, "I'm not going to be Christian. I'm not going to be Muslim. I'm not going to be whatever around me. I'm going to go with paganism." Um, whatever flavor brand, wherever we are in the world and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And as such, they don't have a tradition, right? There's, there's no tradition involved in that because tradition means something that has been passed down through generation. You can talk about these second and third generation people uh, in those groups who would have some kind of tradition. But then again, we have to like identify with what, what, is, uh, what is that tradition, uh, are there common denominators? And there definitely are in different ways. Um, but it's so it, it's it's so sparse. So what what do you have to do then? Well, next thing is to say like, okay, do we actually have any source material that stipulates anything about significance of beards? Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what I was 
mainly wondering is if we if we go all the way back to the because most of this does revolve around the Viking age. It's people who are interested in sort of Viking culture. Um and I guess it is very synonymous, this whole bearded Viking figure. Um, you never see them without a beard. So, so I wanted to know where that comes from. Do we were, were they all bearded? Or is that kind of a modern misconception that we've we've kind of created over time? Or were there some baby-faced, baby-faced Vikings out there? There were baby-faced Vikings out there, absolutely. Um, so so the idea that Vikings were bearded is more a modern conception than a historical one. That doesn't mean that Vikings didn't wear beards. If we go to the, the visual material we have available from the Viking Age, what we do see is often a beard. Like that, that, is, that is part of it. It is a very well-trimmed, um, uh, not too long beard. Looks like it has been combed too. Like they were pretty big on combs. So like sort of like the wild man look and all that stuff, that that didn't exist. At least not among the 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 elite. That's almost what you see in in these modern groups, is that the long, the longer, the wilder the beard, the more the more manly you are, because the, the beard is bigger. That that seems to be this this kind of idea that, that, yeah. that's thrown about. I think so. I think your beard is probably a little too long for what we see in um, in in depictions from the Viking Age, but it would be within the range, though. Like that that um, sort of like shape and everything that 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 you have that would uh, fit pretty well. The same with with what I have, sort of like a much shorter beard. Um, mm-hmm. you, yeah, you, I, you see that. I imagine it's a, it was a pain to clean shave. So I don't think everybody will have been just wet shaven and, and been completely clean, but some sort of beard I imagine most people would have had. Um, but I I think the longer it gets, the the more impractical it has to get. And as soon as it becomes start becoming impractical, I'm sure people have been like, fuck this, let's just cut it back and keep it at a a nice, easy, manageable length, not just down to your belly button because we're Vikings. Exactly. Okay, so so this is the thing. In the chat, somebody is asking, uh, wouldn't uh, beers just be common in the Iron Age, uh, full stop, because of lack of access to good shaving tools? It's like, actually, no. You have no idea how many shaving tools we found archaeologically from Northern Europe in the Viking Age. Just like combs. They were actually pretty big on those tools. They loved them. And also, before the Viking Age, in visual depictions of various kinds, uh, it's like, say, from the 500s or the 400s or the 600s, we actually see people more often than not being clean-shaven. So there might actually have been a development from from the middle uh, of of the first millennium AD uh, and then into the Viking Age, where beers become more cool. Or, or something that we like. I love that idea of just trends. And exactly. <laughs> there's no reason why trends wouldn't exist then just as much as they do now. But it just feels weird, all these these brewers up in uh, Scandinavia being like, I've seen that guy with a beard. He looks he looks all right. I might, <laughs> I'm going to let mine grow out a little bit. So so this is the thing. Like, we, 
I think, and this is just, I'm sure that there's probably a s- scholar out there who has, who has worked on this in some way or other, or uh, maybe has a better grasp of the details. But my personal theory is that the reason that we're seeing people being more clean shaven in the, uh, uh, the what, what we in Scandinavia tend to call the Vendel period, which I'll get to later on, by the way. Um, <laughs> so that would be the 500s and 600s. is probably because of influence from Imperial Rome. So it, what you see with a lot of uh, emperors, um, which would be pictures, uh, images that Germanic peoples would have encountered in the first century, second century, third century, and fourth century, right? You see very few emperors who have beards. There are some, but but quite often clean-shaven is sort of the look for an, an aristocrat or, or a figure of authority in the Roman Empire. And all of that stuff, like everything that has to do with like, I'm a cool dude from the Roman Empire, that stuff that the North, Northern Europeans, the Germanic peoples up, up in Denmark and, and in Northern Germany and Eastern Germany and Sweden and, and Norway and so on, they pick up on all of that. And they reproduce that to the best of their abilities, of course. They don't have the same technology. They don't have the same uh, building material and so on. But they try. They do what they can. And they also do that in terms of like um, uh, visual appearance of the, of, of the person themselves, right? So there's, there, what, what this really means is that I, I think my personal uh, theory is that the reason that we see those very clean-shaven faces in in the four, five, six hundreds is probably because it's like it's sort of like a lingering cultural um, uh, tendency or or memory that that you know that's just how we do it. And then something happens later on. I want to just uh, throw in a couple of other examples because we also have the so-called bog bodies, right? To some people, I guess they're kind of grueling, but uh, but but to me, they're pretty fucking cool. Basically, people who have been sacrificed in lakes in places like Denmark, Northern Germany, Netherlands, uh, some places in Sweden as well. Uh, I don't f- think that there are any from Norway because the, the uh, preservation conditions aren't that good up there. But people who have been sacrificed, they end up at the bottom of a lake. And what happens is that the uh, the oxygen deprived uh, environment in the sludge and mud in the bottom of the lake preserves the skin of the person and the hair and everything perfectly, like it's like leather, right? And so um, there's this, like this tanning process and everything going on. So we have really, really good material to actually see facial features and, 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 and everything from these people. And to my knowledge, I can't remember any, any of them. We've found several, like, you know, at least 20, I think, mm-hmm. um, maybe even more. And I can't really remember any of them having uh, beards or anything like that. A couple of them have a little like five o'clock shade kind of thing, mm-hmm. which you can see because of the preservation conditions. It's so wow. awesome, right? Yeah. But it, they, they're shaped. So, so that, that tells you that it seems like that's like the standard for, for like the 500s and 600s. I mean, most trends start amongst the wealthy. So I guess this is my very limited knowledge taking a punt at this, that the, during the, in the Roman Empire, 
it was a wealthy, it was a sign of wealth to to clean shave because you could, because I guess you had the time to do it, you had the resources to do it, you had a sharp enough blade to do it, a mirror maybe. Um, so you could you you were able to clean shave and that showed your wealth. And then obviously as these things happen, it then trickles down to other people who want to show their wealth or at least try and imitate the the wealthy, which then you get it trickling out to others and then another trend comes along, I guess, and takes over. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, you know, with with visual appearance. Like they go back and forth in, in, in different ways. Just think about it. Like back in the 80s, we, we, the iconic dude from from the eighties is somebody with uh, uh, what what is that called uh, the, the hillbilly uh, we we call it Swedish hair in Denmark a mullet <laughs> a mullet yes exactly a mullet <laughs> um, right and then a mustache right oh like a Tom Selleck yeah like exactly thick slug exactly and then you get into the two uh, thousands and then all of a sudden beards are coming back. Mm. You know. Yeah, beards is definitely in my lifetime. The beards have made a big resurgence. It seems to be. Um, I, I remember maybe ten years ago, I I saw a bunch of women complaining on different groups about how they didn't like beards, and it just seemed to be like this new resurgence of like men which like fuck it, I'm growing my beard, and then probably got told off and had to shave it. Luckily, Sarah likes mine, so I'm all right. <laughs> I if I shaved, I just looked like a little cherub, like I'd be better placed on a fountain. <laughs> Just naked there, having a wee. <laughs> you know, it just as soon as I shave, I just look. Oh, I look so young and fat. <laughs> so okay, so we, I guess we kind of established that beards weren't a, a necessary thing during the Viking Age. It was, I guess, it's probably just personal choice. There might be something to be said for status, right? Because okay, so we what we've dealt with now is the visual material that we have available, right? So that's wood carvings from, for instance, the Osebeck ship from 830 something in Norway. It's uh, rune stones from mostly Sweden, actually. I'd say like just riffing off of my, my memory. Um, like we have like these depictions of male faces in, in on certain rune stones in Sweden. And they have like, you know, uh, beards or at least a mustache we have that's 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 impressive because if i was a rune stone like a, a carver of stone all wood every fucker would be bald because i'm not doing hair <laughs> <laughs> they think everyone had an alopecia it's kind of stylized though is that like you know there is they don't really get to you know carve out each little hair <laughs> i mean if it was me they would all just be smooth head to toe okay so- so now I want to go to the written material, right? Because that's that's an important uh, source as well. We have all the saga literature, we have historians, and so on. And there's, of course, one particular story that's important to the idea of long beards. And that's the story that Jordan gives us about the origin of the Langobards, right? And keep in mind that their name literally means long beards, right? This is a Germanic tribe. That at some point, after a bunch of um, migration and convulsions and social upheaval, find themselves in northern Italy in what is now Lombardy, named after them. Lombardy is the northern Italian interpretation of the word Langobards. And they originally got their name 
because they sort of they they asked Odin. Um, his his name is messed up in the story. It's he's called Godan, um, whatever the hell that means. But it's Odin, and he, they asked Odin to give them a new name. Or they, they actually, the, the story goes that they ask Odin's wife, Frigg, um, to give them a new name. And then, uh, if I remember correctly, it's something with, like, they have all the women also standing there with their, high, their, their hair tied around their, their chins. And and so Odin wakes up in the morning, he looks at them all, and he's like, what kind of weirdly long beards are they? And that's how they got the name long beards. <laughs> so, but what this means, of course, like this weird little silly story is that this is a this is a story about the origin of the name of a particular tribe right and for whatever reason it seems like for this particular tribe having long beards was a, a sign of status or, or or something like that the most common thing right so that tells us there's at least like one germanic tribe that's fucking around in europe who's got like long beards and think that that's cool um and it does seem, if I remember correctly, based off of like uh, Northern Italian imagery from that the period of their rule, that they sort of like go Roman after that and, and start shaving. Um, so, so it didn't hold up for that long. But I mean, there's, there's your sort of like written uh, evidence of like the significance of, of Longbeard there. Then we have the saga literature, right? And the saga literature is notoriously horrible when it comes to using it as a source for the Viking Age or anything before that, right? But we could say, sort of, from a, from the religious perspective, that it's it's part of the total sum of of sources that inform inform us on the ancient tradition of pre-Christian religion, mm-hmm. right? And there we see the significance of beards being mentioned in several occasions. It is considered a sign of masculinity. Njal and his sons, uh, the uh, in Njal saga, they are ridiculed for not having uh, proper facial hair. Uh, I think they're called the shit beards or something like that, because <laughs> I mean I've because, called a few people that before. Right. <laughs> we also have a, a Scatla Crimson. He like literally like pulls the beard, like half the beard off of one dude at one point, and that's also like a very significant uh, um, a, a dishonoring act, right? So you have all of these examples from the saga literature as well. It definitely seem to signify that beards, sort of like in Viking Age Iceland, at least, and possibly also elsewhere in Scandinavia, was, was important. Um, do we see it linked to masculinity? Absolutely. It's, it's definitely considered, in, in the saga literature, it's considered something that, that signifies that you're a man, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can... Obviously, in, in modern times that's not the case you know having a beard does not make you a man but a thousand years ago you can probably see why they would think that because i guess the people who come of age quicker and tend to maybe grow bigger stronger faster would then have a beard or some sort of stubble at a younger age and then in their minds they would make this link between masculinity or at least like early masculinity with then having a a beard i had a beard at fucking 14 yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's plenty of, so like, 
um, reasons uh, that they could uh, assume that it, it, it signifies manhood or, or, or something like that. But it's also just trends, right? And trends basically just start with some fucker in a corner coming up with something. You know, that's really it. <laughs> yeah, it looks good. Oh, yeah. you know, some I've seen some trends and they don't fucking look good. But it's no. just it's just the right person at the right time. And they're influential enough that enough people go, All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. And then they'll do it. And then they just kind of snowballs and people jump on it because other people are doing it. And you know, we we're humans, and we've said it so many times on the, the show that just because it's a thousand years ago, there are still people and they still probably think and feel similar to how we do. And if your next door neighbor's doing something and his next door neighbor's doing it and the rest of the village is doing it, you're more likely to then go, fuck, maybe I should do it. Because nobody wants to get left behind. That's the thing. I mean, um, like there there are certain subcultures too, right? That uh, perhaps are more into the whole beard and long hair thing than than others and let's not let's not overlook the uh uh the influence of the heavy metal culture on like pagan slash nordic mythology slash viking uh subculture out there right like that, that that that's a real thing that you know you're more more likely than not to be into heavy metal if you're into the Viking stuff, right? Yeah. And so of, of course the look of the, the heavy metal culture it also spills over into uh yeah, the Viking absolutely. culture. So what do you think about people in modern day then that try and use this use this example of, of history and like, oh well, my ancestors had beards, so it's my right to to have right. a beard. Because I have a uh, maybe a controversial opinion I don't know but mm -hmm. I want to hear yours first before I put my foot in it okay <laughs> so I think that you know if this is spiritually and religiously significant to you uh, then I think that's a perfectly legitimate way to think about yourself and 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 your beliefs and everything um, if somebody out there feels that Oh, this having a beard brings me closer to Odin, or however they think about this, right? I think that's perfectly legitimate. Now, trying to legitimize that with some kind of long-standing tradition of of uh, of uh, pagan beards or something like that—that's where it gets a little more shaky because there is no long-standing tradition of pagan beards. There hasn't been for a thousand years. Right, <laughs> like people stopped being pagans or whatever yeah. we want to call it, and so now what we're doing today is that we are reaching back to some source material that can give us some information about what people did and believed and all those things. And there are some things that we want to maybe bring back, and there are definitely things that we don't want to bring back. One of those things are, you know, all of the fucked up human sacrifices that they did. Of course, we don't want to bring that back, right? But that's sort of like the most most extreme example. But it goes down from there through the list of stupid customs that nobody needs for the future, you know? And that's that's the same for every religion and every tradition. Like, people came up with stupid shit in the past. We don't need that in the future, right? Mm -hmm. That's it. That's really it, right? The, the probably the most relatable discussion on that stuff 
in a European context is the discord between modern European cultures and and then what you see uh, Muslim immigrants bringing in, right? There's been a lot of like discussions of like what goes and what doesn't go. I'm not going to make any value statements on that. I'm just pointing out that that's been a discussion for at least 20 years, mm-hmm. maybe even longer in Europe. And um, there are definitely uh, uh, some 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 things that work better than others in modern societies, right? And that's no different from from any other religion, whether it's Christianity, whether it's Sikhism, um, or or you know these neo pagan traditions that are um, blossoming nowadays, right? My my as a, as somebody who has been raised pagan, <laughs> what I want to say to to those out there who who identify with that and think think in those terms or uh, believe in the Nordic gods, however you want to define it, is like you really have to think carefully about what what bullshit you want to bring from the Viking age or from saga literature or anything like that into the the, the future, right? Mm-hmm. Because what what uh, what this tradition is or becomes is what we make it right now, right? And so that's 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 where I am with that, and that's why I keep sort of like an open view towards people's um, personal idiosyncrasies and 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 um, and what they want to you know define a group as as well, right? So I'm I'm chill with the idea of of beards, but I'm also not going to say look. This is definitely how you should look if you uh, are a pagan man or or something like that. Yeah. No, you don't have to. No, no, fair enough. So my my opinion. <laughs> no, I if I was a better host, what I would have done is I would have researched whether this had gone through any sort of legal system and the outcome. Um, I guess my opinion is mainly based around a health and safety aspect when it becomes. For, for work because i've i've seen people arguing saying that their um their employer wants them to wear a face mask or their job requires them to wear a face mask and they they don't either they don't want to or they want just want to wear the face mask over their beard um and i know from working in the dusty environment that dust dust does get through a mask like there is no mask that will because it needs that seal against your face you have to have that seal so i think if you if you have a job that requires you to wear a mask and your employer, it's in your, your contract that you have to wear a mask, then I think you just have to, tough shit. I think it's tough shit because I, from an employer standpoint, I can understand the full head respirators. I was looking at one because I, I wanted one and they're about six, 700 pound minimum, easily a thousand pound for, for one that would work with a beard. When you can compare the same thing that does the same job for, 40 pound 30 pound so you can see why employers then say look we just we can't afford to supply everybody with these full head masks so you you know we we require to to um wear a face fitting one so i think either you you, if you want to have a beard you have to go out and buy the mask yourself or you have to just shave your beard unfortunately because when it comes down to when you get emphysema or lung cancer it's going to be the employers left holding the baby when you turn around and go oh the job has made me ill where's my insurance money or where's the the payout from from that because that's what would happen 
Yeah, in, in, in your socialist country, over <laughs> yeah. here we have so-called right to work acts, which basically means you're fucked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they're, they're, they're spun with, with the nice title right to work, which means that you can always get just fired and hired and you know there's there's and you don't have any you know claims or anything like that. <laughs> but I get what you're saying though. <laughs> As an employee, like I I found out, you know, I recently employed my first first employee and we have to get employees liability insurance so if anything happens to eddie the guy that works for me then i'm liable and i've got insurance in place to then cover that mm-hmm. so that's whether it's short-term or long-term injury and that's why you know i'm i'm with eddie like you've got to wear a mask and now we've got the extraction that, that doesn't but so i can see why I, I can side with the employers especially if you if you take a job knowing it requires you to wear a mask, I don't think you have the right to then turn around six months later and go, hang on a minute, it's my religious belief to, to not. Um, but aside from that, I think, you know, you should people should be able to do what the fuck they want, wear, have a beard. But I think if it's, it, it, it's particularly in a health and safety issue, the, unfortunately you have to just like it or lump it or get another job, I guess. I mean, I can, I can only agree with that. Like uh, there's there's no reason for you to to insist on your right to be some religious whatever. <laughs> it's I, just because I well, like, I, I've actually seen I, that's what kind of brought me to the rant is that I've seen somebody ranting about that they work in a, an environment where they have to wear a mask, and they they didn't want to wear it because they had a beard. Oh, not they didn't want to wear it. They just wanted to wear the mask over the beard, and they're like, oh, yeah, be fine. And that's very much the opinion I used to have. I was like, yeah, it'd be fine. But it's definitely not, because I've worked around a lot of dust, and you can feel it in the back of your throat. So it does still get past it, because you don't get that ceiling. It doesn't work properly. So unless you're willing to, to, to sign a waiver saying, all right, I'm going to keep my beard, but in 20 years, if, if I'm ill from, from whatever toxic fumes or dust that's in the air, that's on me. Then I think it's you. You've not really got much you can do about it. Absolutely no, and that, that I, I I agree very much with that. You know, at the end of the day, what what we're really dealing with here is like your beard or your long term health, dude. That's it. And I, I think with du- dust is a so just a funny one because I've been like on the building trade and obviously like sanding horns. It's there's a lot of dust about, and I think. Because it's not an instant thing, you're not getting pain straight away. You're not getting any. You're not feeling it right away. You, you, it's just there in the background, and you know it's going to affect you in 10, 20 years. So people are very ignorant to it, or at least kind of shocked. And I was when I was 17, 18, 19, and I was working on building sites around brick dust, and I was in rooms full, full of dust, like using an angle grinder. And I'm like, I'm too cool for a fucking face mask. I'm not putting one on. And then the older guys would be like, you're going to regret that. When you're 30, you're going to be... And I'm like, no, whatever. It's it's all right. I'm young. It doesn't matter. But, you you know, it, it does catch up on everyone. So I think you um, you have to do what's right, not because you want to have a beard. And that's why you need to, to listen to those who are older, that there's, some, there's something to be said for that. <laughs> all right. We've ranted about my topic long enough. Um I don't know if we got anywhere or didn't, but it was certainly interesting because I was definitely of the mindset that every Viking had a beard. This this idea of long beards of, of, of Viking men, um, you know, that's kind of what you see is synonymous. You see it everywhere. And that's what I assumed. So I quite, I quite like the idea that 
it was maybe a bit bit more free choice. Yeah, no, I I definitely think it was. There might be something to be said for like maybe like chieftains wore beard more than others, you know. So that's also something to keep in mind. And you could also make the practical argument in the Viking Age, like would it be a particularly smart thing to run around with a big ass beard when you have all that chainmail on when you're fighting? Oh, I bet if you nip. Right, like all of a sudden you get you like your face is like stuck to your chest because of it. Yeah, or or if you're in a in a bit of fisticuffs, I'm grabbing your fucking beard and I'm punching in the face. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, that's, that's gonna happen if we're trying to kill each other. I'm fighting dirty. There's no there's no honor <laughs> honor amongst that. Absolutely not. You're getting what comes. Okay. Let's, let's throw it over to you because I know you want to rant. You're, <laughs> when when I messaged you, I was like, what's your topic going to be? And you just replied, rant about the Viking Age. I was like, oh, boy. Oh, no. <laughs> Where is this going? Yes. Okay. So I this is actually the reason that I'm making this rant is, is for Frederick, um, who's unfortunately not on today. But I hope he listens to this episode later on. He's usually on every week as well. Yeah. And the poor guy is Swedish. And he has been, he's, he, he feels left out of the whole Viking thing because we don't talk a lot about Sweden and, and, and that kind of stuff. Or uh, there's like, there's very little interest in the Viking age in Sweden, sort of like culturally. Um, uh, just to quickly, sorry to jump in. I think that's quite, quite funny as well because. Amongst people who are interested into this, everything is based around sort of Denmark and Norway and Iceland. But I think certainly what I remember when I was younger and before I was kind of integrated into this, this lifestyle, I guess, Sweden was probably the most synonymous place that I thought of for Vikings. It was just, you thought Vikings, you thought of Sweden. And those two went hand in hand. But then when you obviously delve deeper and actually get into it, it's not mentioned anywhere near as much as the other three. Well, so this is the problem with the, the the written material that that people have have easy access to the saga literature and all that stuff. Saga literature is centered around Iceland and Norway and the North Atlantic in general. Denmark is mentioned once in a while. Sweden is mentioned once in a while. Um, in when they're in the UK, of course, Denmark as like a place of Vikings is really important because there was a lot of you know interaction between the Dane law and the Danish area in the Viking Age, and you know, even the same kings and, and and that kind of stuff. So that's that's something that you know culturally in the UK might be more present, right? But in the US, it's not like nobody knows Denmark as a Viking country over here. Okay. Um, Sweden, I think, has sort of like when you were younger, been like the the Viking country more because Sweden was just more present in popular culture, right? Like with ABBA and and other you know cultural products uh, out there, IKEA they they uh, they've done well for Sweden I think yeah they, they really have. held it <laughs> held it down for Sweden they so so that sense like this um, uh, it, it, all of this like what people associate or what countries that people associate with Vikings and all that stuff basically comes down to what is current in their popular culture at this, at this particular time. Uh, 
Now, from the 90s and onwards, Iceland has been really, really good at promoting itself as a uh, tourist destination. And with that tourist destinations comes all the Viking stuff as well. So that's why everybody thinks of Iceland as a Viking country and all that yeah. stuff. Iceland have been really good with tourism. I'm sure at one point they they were doing like a free stopover or a free night if you when you were flying from the USA to Europe or something. They're still doing that, man. Oh, are they? Yeah. Yeah. My sister, my sister got, uh, she, she went from Canada. So she's in Vancouver and she was going to Eastern Europe and they gave her like a couple of free nights in, in Reykjavik. And it's yeah. like, well, it's a good way to get to boost tourism. Just have a little stopover and, mm-hmm. and then people want to come back. Yeah. And Iceland is an awesome place to visit too. Like it's a great place. Like, they've, yeah. They've certainly nailed the tourism side of things. Exactly. And so that's why so many people are like informed about Vikings in Iceland, right? It's like, oh, okay. Because you get that information just on the plane. You sit there and there's like a little screen and they, they go like, Iceland was settled by Vikings and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And, and so, you sounded more like Sean Connery than you did. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was watching Bond. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so, so what I wanted to rant about is actually the Viking Age doesn't exist. So you've heard of the Bronze Age, the Stone Age, the Iron Age, and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. That's thanks to Danish archaeologists. They're the ones who've like been defining these periods in time and then popularizing it, picked up by Germans and then you know disseminated from there. And, and of course, some Danish archaeologists also came up with the Viking Age. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what does this mean? It means basically that it, as a time period in European history, it, it has been made special by some random Scandinavian who felt like, oh, we need a special period for this because this pertains to our local social, political, economic, technological processes, right? And there is something to be said for the Viking Age being partially special in that sense. The Viking ships are technologically impressive for that time period. Nobody had awesome ships like that. That's one thing that we can say, this is definitely something important. Another thing that we can say about that time period, and let's just be clear about what that time period is. In a popular sense, you will know it as nine, uh, sorry, 793 to 1066, right? That's what we call the Anglo-Scandinavian Viking Age. So this is all defined by processes that happen in the English area. 793 is what? What what year is that? Lindisfarne. That's the year of Lindisfarne in 1066. It's the Battle of Hastings. Well, or the Battle of Stamford, the Battle of Stamford Bridge, I guess. Exactly, and uh, and and so so that's that's how it's defined in in an English speaking context, right? But the the Viking Age, you know, extends farther back in time and farther ahead in time. Um, depending on other places. So for instance, like you have in the 1130s, Scotland is still being uh, harassed by Norwegians, right? So that's probably part of the Viking Age. Also, you see Danish kings being like in the 1070s, being like, eh, let's go try and invade again over in England. Doesn't really work out. Um, you have different internal processes in the Baltic Sea, where we all of a sudden see what Scandinavians call Estonian Vikings 
in the 1100s and 1200s. And so, you know, these, these things, these processes, whatever they are, they, they keep evolving in different ways. So the, the Anglo-Scandinavian definition of the Viking Age is very narrow. Um, and that's why in scholarship, we tend to say time period from 700 to either 1050 or 1100, depending on how lax we want to be with this stuff, right? So what, 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 what is, what, how can we define this time period? Well, for uh, all of Europe, sort of like a broad European perspective, it's just the Middle Ages, you know? It's not any, any more special than, than the 600s or the 1300s. For everyone other than the top left Exactly, corner. right? If I was quick enough with my north, south, east, and west, I would have figured out that it was the uh, <laughs> northwest. <laughs> I still struggled. <laughs> the northwest corner of Europe. Which is what I actually wanted to, to ask was when we use the term, so the Viking Age, very, it clearly only applies to a very small area. So how wide does that term go in sense of outside of this world, people who are interested in Viking culture, do scholars outside, you know, who are teaching the Roman age, do they, would they refer to it as the Viking age? Is it like unanimously known as the Viking age, even for events that weren't happening in the Northwest of, of Europe? Does that make sense? I, I think like, so, like, so in the sense of like, what, how widely applied is the term Viking age? in study of history. Yeah, that's a much better way like, of putting it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you put it a lot better than so, I did. So, I mean, it's a, uh, a history teacher in Germany would probably not spend much time on the Viking Age, right? Um, it's the same in France, right? Unless you're specializing on that particular chapter in French history where the, these, these uh, Scandinavians show up and then create the Duchy of Normandy, Right. Um, or, or the invasion of Paris in, in the 800s. Russians, the same thing, unless you're like dealing with the very early Russian history, um, where, where it looks like you know, Scandinavians are part of establishing what later becomes the Russian kingdom. If you're in Bulgaria and you're working on Bulgarian history, you don't give a damn about Vikings unless it has something to do with that short time period, that little win window in history where there was a bunch of Scandinavians that tried to invade Byzantium, right? The Byzantine. But, but if you were talking about history in Bulgaria and you're referring to something in the time of between 793 and 1066, would that still be classed as the Viking Age, even though you're talking Bulgaria? about Absolutely not. Bulgaria? Absolutely yeah. Not. Yeah. Okay, that that's kind of what I was wondering whether it was still whether even though you're talking outside of that area, whether you would still apply that term for that time period. No, the only people who really care about the Viking Age, I think, are Scandinavians and the English and the Scottish and the Irish. You know, like we 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 talk about the Viking Age invariably in different ways. That's because like that period had major influence on what happened in the British Isles, like that's this, that's where, you know, most things all of a sudden start changing, you know, 
um, in in Scandinavia, we also have a lot of change, of course, but that's not so much due to the Viking Age, I would say, uh, as much as it's just simply the the, the standard uh, processes of history, right? We start um, like from the uh, from the late 700s, we start seeing the Frankish Empire having interest in pushing its border northwards. So that's why Charlemagne invades Saxony and push all the way up to the Danish border. And then from there, we start seeing uh, what has sometimes been classified as quote, German, end quote, influence on Scandinavia, but it's actually not really, you can't call it German influence until much later. Mm-hmm. And so that's just like a cultural influence and religious influence that, that keeps pushing northwards. But that influence is not different from when it happens in the first couple of centuries AD with Roman influence on Scandinavia. In the first couple of centuries AD, what we see is that, oh, uh, Scandinavians start, uh, you know, buying a bunch of stuff in the, from the Romans. You know, we start seeing uh, Roman uh, artifacts showing up, especially in southern Scandinavia, especially in the Danish area, but also in, in Sweden and Norway, definitely, right? And so how is that any different than the seven and eight hundreds when, you know, uh, that same area, the Rhineland, is now culturally influencing Scandinavia again, uh, or still, right? It's probably more still than again. So, so ultimately, like it, the, the processes aren't that different in the Viking Age uh, from from earlier periods. And that brings us to another subject, right? So we we're like, oh, the Viking Age is like this time period where Scandinavians all of a sudden like discover that there's a Europe outside of Scandinavia, which is total bullshit. Because they knew that already, <laughs> right? So that's the premise for a show like The Vikings. And obviously, we can't re- expect a lot of people to have any knowledge about anything outside of their little village in this time period. But those people who did have any knowledge of any kind would know, of course, that there is an England over there and a Scotland over there and Germany down there or whatever they would call it. So, so you mean Ragnar didn't discover England with his little storm that he could see through the clouds (laughs) absolutely not right because (laughs) where did the angles and saxons come from they came from what is now northern germany and southern scandinavia Mm -hmm. you're not going to tell me that like after the 400s when these peoples have migrated that there's not some guy or woman or whatever hanging out in the Danish area that doesn't know, oh yeah, our ancestors, they went that way. And then they built uh, these awesome kingdoms over there. Of course they knew, right? <laughs> on, a, on a clear day, could you see across from Denmark? No. No? You, no, you wouldn't be able to see uh, any any of the British Isles or anything like that. Oh, disappointing. Yeah, that's a little disappointing. But we do have trade networks from from the 500s, late mm-hmm. 400s to 500s, in the English Channel area. Right, you have um, the Frankish Empire on the one side, and then you have the um, the Anglo-Saxon kingdoms on the other side, and they're trading with one another. And a lot of that trade also goes through Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. So, so they're already in different ways, uh, definitely from the 600s trading. Yeah, and that's really important. Because that means that there's like plenty of knowledge of of of, a, of what's going on over there on the other side, and there are plenty of people moving back and forth, right? 
that's sort of like what we otherwise classify as the peaceful side of the Viking Age, the trade that happens. Yeah, it happened in the Viking Age, just like it did a couple of centuries before. The same with like moving people around. So identifying the Viking Age as like a time period where Scandinavians, they leave Scandinavia and then settle somewhere else, primarily in the Danelaw. Yeah, sure. But what about the Goths that seemingly came from uh, central Sweden in the, what, the, the, the first century AD and like built themselves a nice little kingdom over in Ukraine, then got their asses kicked and then moved all the way through uh, the Balkans and <laughs> central Europe and Italy. And that's like migrations of, of what we presume might've been Scandinavians, right? Mm-hmm. We have other, other examples of just the, Bur- the Bourgogne's, right? Um, in what is now Bourgogne in, in France, that was also probably a Scandinavian tribe. Some people actually believe that it came from Bornholm in what is now Denmark, because that was called Burgundaholmer. So, so the, the, the island of the Burgunds, right? But they went to central France and, and created themselves a nice little kingdom there for a while. So there's like the, all of these like movements that, that happened long before the Viking Age. And the Viking Age is then, you know, essentially just an extension of all of that. So there's nothing that really makes the Viking Age that special when it comes to all of this, except that they had cool ships. And this is what I wanted to get to when it when it came to like the cool ships and the warriors that go on those cool ships. The first evidence we see of that, and this is this one is for Frederick. <laughs> the first evidence we see of that is Sweden. It's now the, the Swedish core land, the Svealand, um, Valsjärde, Vendel, uh, Uppsala, that whole area right there in uh, around Stockholm seems to be where we see some of the first sort of like proper naval kingdoms in Scandinavia. Uh, the same with the island of Gotland, the, the, the island of Öland. Uh, Orland as well as the archipelago between Sweden and Finland is a major hub for all of this as well. And then also the Danish archipelago also has uh, some, some stuff going on there. What is really interesting is that, for instance, the Kalevi stone, which is one of the, the first stones to display um, skaldic poetry, which is like the art, the poetic art of the Viking Age, um, is it, located on Öland, and it talks about a chieftain who you know rules over land in Denmark. So that tells you just how how closely these areas are related to, right? But yeah, the point is then that it is in that uh, um, the, the coastal regions of what is now Sweden, and like down down from Svealand and down on the eastern coast of Sweden, the southern coasts of what what was Denmark then, but is now Sweden, and then the Danish archipelago. That's where you see all all like the Viking culture, you know, developing in that period that is in in Scandinavia called the Vendel period. But what what would you how would how bad would you describe it if we don't use I think, you know what, I think the, the Iron Age is actually um, the best terminology. Just the top top left Iron Age. Top left Iron Age. Yes. <laughs> the Iron Age have been the top left of Europe. I mean, so, so we have um, we have a problem with like using the term 
medieval period as well, the Middle Ages, right? Because basically it was invented by some grumpy dudes in the 17, 1800s who were like, uh, well, nothing really happened in that period. Uh, it sucked anyway. People just had the plague, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's like, no, that actually that there's a lot of things going on. And there's a lot of developments and, and inventions and 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 all that stuff. But it's like because they were like, you know, they had a hard on for ancient Rome. That's really it, right? And so what we're dealing with here is uh, is like a general tendency in European historical writing to ignore this huge portion of 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 of, of European history, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would say that we should, instead of talking about the Viking Age, we, we should be talking about the late Iron Age for that period um, that goes up to 1100. And then we can call it the medieval period after that. I don't like calling it the medieval period. Um, but if that's what they want, then I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're at an hour and a half, so I'm not going to even ask why you don't like calling it that we can say. No, we can always have a rant about that at another point. <laughs> this has been fun i really enjoyed this i think we should this is going to be a good time to talk about topics that maybe won't fill a full episode or that we don't have a specific specialist for that we can get on as a guest i mean just having this conversation you've made me think of a bunch of other topics that i want to bring next time um i think my next topic is going to be south america and why there is such a big following of this culture in brazil in particular and um, mm. i think that should be a good fun chat for you to teach us all about absolutely um so for everybody that wanted to hear me rant about the way that thor looks in the the new god of war game um because i I have some very strong opinions (laughs) about that i guess so anybody who's in the not mythology podcast facebook group will have seen me or see my opinions on it um i was going to rant about it today but we're going to hold off until tuesday when we record our next episode because we're we're going to be joined by Ben Mudge. Uh, ben Mudge is a, or at least was a Thor cosplayer, and he was a, he was a very good Thor cosplayer. And um, so we're gonna we're gonna take a look at everything and all things Thor. We're gonna look at what's real, what's real about Thor, what we know about him, what we know is accurate, what we know how he looked. We're gonna take a look at Marvel versus mythology and see what's you know what's real, what Marvel did right, what Marvel did wrong. And then also we're going to take a look at the new, the way that it looks in the new God of War game, which I think is not very good. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to leave that there. All right, let's let's, let's wrap this one up. So, Mateus, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on Instagram. That's uh, where I am at. Nowadays, since I've ditched Facebook and and also Messenger and all that stuff, you can uh, perhaps find find me on Discord as well. As a, and, and I have no idea how you do that. By the way, <laughs> I'm still working out how that works. Uh, <laughs> you're such an old man. I am, yeah. Um, but yeah, otherwise, uh, follow the Nordic Mythology Podcast on Instagram as well. Follow our page on Facebook. Follow our group on Facebook, right? That, that's still, uh, you know, in existence and all that stuff. It's, yeah, it's very good. I enjoy yeah. it in there. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. 
um yeah so if you if you enjoy the show please leave us a five-star rating and a positive review let us know what you think about these these new episodes where we just sit down and talk about a little topic that we want to bring to the table and let us know if you enjoy it if you ever have any questions for us you can send us an email at an nmp at hornsofodin.com and we will pick that up and we can read your questions out um on the show or just let us know your feedback um and what we can what we can do better i guess Hey, as long as you leave a five-star rating, you can always trash us in the comments. <laughs> yeah, leave leave the good rating. <laughs> that would be preferable. Um, yeah, so you can also follow us on Patreon if you want to really help us out. Like I say, it helps us boost the show, helps us keep paying Shan and all the people and all the other people that help us out with the video clips and Gabriella with messaging the guests um, and looking after the social media. You know, it's much deeper than just me and Mateus these days so you get access to a bonus show pretty much every week when we can fit in to record it um it's either going to be the vikings watch long show where you can jump in um with us and watch an episode of the vikings when me and Matthias will talk about it and let you know what we like don't like and just enjoy it's a good laugh and the second one is a story time episode where we will read a saga we recently had Jonas Lorenzen come in and, and be the narrator and it's looking like that's going to be in a, a reoccurring thing he did an amazing job of that it's worth getting the Patreon literally just to listen to that episode because I know when you said Jonas wanted to come on and, and narrate, I was like, you know, Jonas has got a good voice. He's uh, he's articulate. He's, he's quite posh sounding. But he, he, I mean, he jumped right into it. He had a voice set for all the different characters. His Fafnir was absolutely brilliant and also quite terrifying. It, it really is worth getting the Patreon just to come and listen to that one episode. Um, other than that, I guess you have our YouTube channel. If you can just pop over there and hit subscribe, that really does help us out as we want to try and grow that and hopefully get another platform for people to find us and watch what we do. And I think that's it. We'll be back on Tuesday for anybody who wants to watch us live. Like I say, you get access to that through the Patreon. There we go. We're done.